On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as loud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! This is Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer fueled sports show. Here's your hosts, Rob Christie and Matt Robinson. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. As we kick off, well, for you Americans, happy 4th of July, I guess. It's just a normal Monday for the rest of us. What's happening, Rob? It's not a normal Monday for me, baby! Right, Rob is kicking off his... Uh, it's the summer of Rob. The summer of George, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to Costanza this all the way out. Oof. Um, yeah, Mondays and Tuesdays. All of July, all of August, it's going to be beautiful. Just slacking, just so, working in that groove on the couch. And, yeah. Or, yeah. you know, it's actually, I'm really debating what happens now because the rule at home is Saturdays are normally a, air quotes, working day. Okay. So, you know, what the things that need to get done, get done around the house. Sundays, you put a little Irish cream in the coffee, that's a Sunday go-to, right? So. Yep. As he begins his show lubrication early in the day. Yeah, but well before this. Yeah. Um, That's what I mean. How do I handle the Mondays and Tuesdays is really what I'm, uh, what I'm wondering. You know, do I treat them like Sundays? Do I treat them like Saturdays? So. What do you think of Guiding Light? Could you get into that at all? <laughs> is that a possibility? Yeah. A little like as, as the world, as the world turns. turns. Yeah, young, yeah. And the, young and the breastless. Yes. Restless. Old and the useless. Yes. <laughs> Well, which side of the which side of the camera are we on here? <laughs> oh no! Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm thinking I'm leaning towards uh, one of the two is going to be a Sunday for sure. Yeah, carry on, my good man. So that's really what's happening here. I'm loving the weather. To me, this is how Canadian summer should be: 24, sunny, a little breezy, but you do everything you want to do. Get in the pool, no problems. Don't get in the pool. No problems. Mm-hmm. Don't put on the air conditioning. No problems, man. This, to me, is the beauty of this time of year. Uh, the beauty of this show is that you can interact with us on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio, Facebook.com slash Tall Can Audio. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're hearing us right now. Uh, we got to talk about uh, all the NHL news that's gone down, even just today, just before we started recording more news, man. There's uh, baseball to talk about. There's UFC to talk about. There's Canada Day to talk about. Before we get into it, we got beers to talk about. What's happening today, man? Because you are the one who has uh, arrived with pints. Well, these are Matt's uh, birthday pints. 
I know we are well past Matt's birthday, <laughs> but uh, Matt wasn't here. And so I had picked up some beers for the occasion. Yeah. And um, I decided. Matt that showed Rob the taillights. And <laughs> yeah, totally fine. Totally fine. The beers are still there. But, the you know, as it moves away from it, well, Rob's going to drink part of Matt's. Oh, sure, man. <laughs> Matt will. That's the way that goes for sure. Yeah. Taillights. Yeah. All right. Well, some of those beers. There was actually 16 pints I bought you. <laughs> Down to three. I, I, I just showed up with two. <laughs> so the two that we're going to have on the show today, happy birthday, Matt. Appreciate that, Matt. These are, um, I was over to uh, my good friends over at Brew Revolution in Stittsville. Mm-hmm. So, one of Rob's favorites. Uh, they are absolutely one of my favorites. And so to me, what it, they do everything well. And to me, it's always subtle. You know, Subtle. You can get what you want from it. It's not, it's not clobbering. You're still getting the beer. You're doing everything that you want, right? So what I have for you mm-hmm. is you are drinking what is going to be is, is really my favorite New England style IPA. It's the walking on sunshine. Whoa. Yep. Walking on sunshine. Whoa. And don't feel good. Yeah. Unless you're sunshine. Uh, so that comes in at 6.2. Yeah. yeah. See, that comes in at 6.2 and. Take a take a rip on that and tell me if you don't find that to be in terms of a six point two New England style IPA, juicy, smooth, and highly crushable. Yeah, very refreshing, very nice. Uh, I expected hoppier. Yep, but it's gorgeous. Yeah, see, to me that is if you're a super hop forward kind of, it, and it, I'm really not. Yeah, then that's your guy. Yeah, and so to me, I remember bringing it over to the brother-in-laws and. Uh, Passing him over one of those, and he's like, ooh, this tastes like nine more. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and at 6.2, you're getting a little bang for your your smooth buck right there. So, um, yeah, walking on sunshine, brew revolution, delicious. And what about you? You got one over there I'm going to get to in a little bit. I am, yeah, we're going we're gonna to flip this around. So I'm starting the show with a black IPA, which is called... Black Magic Woman, little nod to Santana there. So this is a coming in at six point five, I believe, and they're trying to toe the line on being a little more malty with the black, uh, but still very hop forward is what it, is what it suggests. So um, it's trying to touch on that hoppy hoppiness, that hoppy hoppiness. Yeah, I, 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 I sort of I had something lined up, yeah, and, I and then it just hit. The, <laughs> yeah. Abort! Abort! Yeah, started to skid out. <laughs> so, but yeah, they're still talking to medium to high hoppiness. So, uh, I'll be interested to see how they how they sort of strike this balance. And I got something else sitting here that uh, my sister got me for my birthday. And uh, there you go. I got to be honest, man. Neither of the uh, neither of the cracks here. The beer so far from Brew Revolution Great. The crack didn't have that nice tear, right? That just metal. Now, please. Right. But, uh, you know what that is? Well, I, I can't speak for yours. Okay. I opened mine with my thumb. Oh. <laughs> like a chimp. Right. Or not like a chimp. Yeah, exactly. But, but it's that kind of, uh, I, I actually. Tentative. Got, I got a paper cut under, oh, under no. my index nail. So yeah. as I dug it. That's under, my beer opening. This finger. is it, right? And as I dug it in, I was like, oof. Okay. Abort and go in the other direction. So yeah, it was tentative, but part of that may be on the opener as opposed to the beer. I can't right. vouch for yours. All right. Uh, this is not super hoppy. I am getting malty. 
Um, and to me, what I like about Brewery Revolution, it's not highly carbonated. Right. No, I'm getting that as well. Uh, it's pretty nice, man. Um, but uh, this other one I got here from my sister, I'm going to get to in between the two Brew Revs because it's something a little different and it's just a, a wee little can. Uh, last year, we were talking quite a bit about the uh, the Bangarang and uh, it was into the seltzers there. And she found uh, this year, I guess they've expanded their uh, their flavors. And this is basically, I don't know if you remember, if you guys were into it as kids, if it came along a little later, the, the rainbow pack of pop, the crush, yeah, right? the, the, the cream soda, the grape, the uh, orange crush. And I think usually they would throw like a mug root beer or a hires root beer or something yep. in as the fourth. Uh, she has found the equivalent, and they're selling it as such, the uh, crush pack of Bangarang. So there is a cream soda in there, and I, I, I don't care, man. I've always been all about the uh, the cream soda. So there is a cream soda Bangarang in just a, a wee little can here that I'm going to break up the two Brew Revolution pints with. And uh, I just thought that was a, a cool find, and uh, I've been saving one of them for, for the show to talk about. So she tried the, uh, the uh, banana bourbon with me when I was down at the lake there a couple of weeks ago. Also not a whiskey person, much like myself. And uh, it just about crumpled her, right? Just the facial yeah. expression, just the... Well, <laughs> we heard the audio version of it right here with you on the show. Oh, no, I'm not saying I was any better. <laughs> not at all. Um, yeah, no, she... And she gave it a go. Like, she took two or three sips of it, but then it went and set it down. I'm not finishing that. This is the younger of the two sisters? Or the, or no, this is the middle child the middle there, child. Kate. Yeah, okay. so we're... Right. Uh, she was not feeling it, though. And, uh, okay. But, but good honor for giving it a go. And, uh, yeah, we're going to try in a few minutes here the... Uh, the cream soda bangerang. See, and I told, I've told you the story, I'm sure. So the crush would be, and, and again, I was doing something else when you were running it through, but orange grape. Yes. It was the grape crush. The lime. No, we didn't do the lime. It was grape, cream soda, orange crush, and like a hires root beer. Okay. So, but I'm just telling you what there was, because honestly, I used lime, to stack the yeah. cool, it was so, there was a guy, when I was in grade nine, there was a guy across the, across the hall from me who was in grade 11 or 12, I think at the time. And he would he would pound a couple of lime crushes every day from <laughs> from the C store across the parking lot from from the high school. Right. And there was a picture of his locker at the end of the year, full from from the locker that oh, all that was God. in his locker was a giant recycling bin uh, stacked up <laughs> like all the way up to the top, including the top portion. Meanwhile, of the around the corner, Rob's is full of. <laughs> Beer cans from my, his, his was, junior year. <laughs> yeah, my, mine had lacrosse equipment and a stick and... I a think, shirt that could be broken in half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Hey, but it was my grade nine year. That's, yeah, okay. It's fairly early. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my, my recollection of, of my grade nine yearbook was this guy with what had to be 180 or, you know... Someone... 30, 400. Someone if it, grabbed a Polaroid. That would, yeah, well, I knew the yearbook back in those days. Yeah, yeah you got to wait a while. Let now it'd be a classic Instagram moment. Yeah, for sure it would. For sure it would. But anyways, that's that's the Lime Crush, Matt. And okay. so here, and I'm not sure if you had it down in central Ontario, but late 70s, anybody in the Ottawa area, uh, probably very few listening, <laughs> they had the pop shop. Okay. You ever heard of the pop shop? Nope. You ever, okay. So this was, they came in like a stubby bottle. And you'd go in and you could you could pick and mix and match either like a full twenty four case. Okay. And so when summer rolled around and times were good, you know, <laughs> we'd go in and my parents would let us each pick eight, right? Three kids. Yep. And it would have this little flat, and you'd come home with twenty four pops, and you could mix and match. And yeah, I loved it. I loved them. I was a root beer guy as a kid. Yeah. Never a cream soda guy. Okay. 
But um, yeah, lime, a little bit of lime, a little bit of grape, and root beer. Love the root beer. Nice, man. So, anyways. Well, what about the, by the time I was a kid, maybe it was this around, actually, I think it was an older thing that was maybe on its last, like the dad's root beer. It oh, came yeah. in like the, the, the bottle? Yeah, it came in like a beer bottle style yeah. thing. Uh, right along with your Sioux City sarsaparilla. Yeah, okay. I do vaguely yeah, remember. <laughs> those root beers that came in the bottle yeah. made you feel like you were a uh, big shot. Just sitting there with uh, with dad and yeah. throwing them back. The dads <laughs> with the either royal blue with the yellow, I think. Yes, yellow is yeah, what I remember. Right, yeah. There you go, man, for sure. <laughs> nice. Uh, Canada Day weekend in the rear view. A couple things before we get to uh, how Rob spent his Canada Day and, uh, and some of the news that was made here around the... Uh, uh, around the city, the nation's capital, I do want to shout out somebody quickly who made it an announcement. A friend of the show, our buddy Mike Comito, chose Canada Day to announce uh, his next book. That's, uh, he's been on a bunch of times talking about Hockey 365, the first period, Hockey 365, the second period. You would think the next book would be Hockey 365. Overtime! Yeah, no. He is, uh, and I, I love him <laughs> for it, chosen Canada Day to announce Leafs 365, the first period. Of course, because it is Canada's team uh, chose to drop that news on uh, on Canada Are Day. You kidding me, Camito? That book coming out uh, in 2023. We'll put the links to the first two in the uh, show notes if you haven't had a chance to check them out. Uh, just uh, you know, we've talked about it before. A, a quick note every day of the uh, calendar year: something interesting that's happened uh, in the hockey world. And uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do something interesting from the Leafs. It'll be oh. May. Late April or May, a lot of a lot of sad, you know, just yeah. leave it closed for a couple of weeks. There, you know? Well, and, and they're underrepresented on this podcast, of course, man. So, uh, Leafs three sixty five from Mike Comito coming in uh, twenty twenty three. Uh, shout out to him for that. He, of course, is going to be back on the show when that gets closer to talk about it. I was just taken down a couple of pints from Stack. Oh, pride of straight out of Sudbury, straight out of Sudbury, just like Comito, right? Yes, so, exactly. So uh, stick around for more on that. And uh, back in, it was the last week of March, we had uh, Michael Barclay on the podcast to talk about Hearts on Fire, Six Years to Change Canadian Music. Last week, while I was up at the cottage, the audiobook version dropped and okay. uh, snagged that up and took it down to the dock with me multiple times to just sit there. Marinate. Yep. Take it in uh, and just enjoy it that way. Uh, we were talking a little while about drinking dad's root beer. At the cottage, we're just drinking dad's, dad's beer. real beer <laughs> and listening to Hearts on Fire uh, from Michael Barclay. We'll put the show notes to that as well. If you're more of an audiobook guy, I know lots of you who listen to these podcasts obviously enjoy taking your content down that way. So uh, it's available now in uh, in hardcover, paperback, and in uh, audiobook, of course, also on Kindle. So we'll throw the show notes to those. A couple friends of the show just wanted to uh, shout out a couple things from them, man. It was an interesting candidate today before we get into anything else that's gone on. How did you spend yours? Uh, nestled in my Canada suburb, <laughs> safely away from <laughs> the masses, both unwashed and washed. Um, Tiny Pierre and his band of merry morons. Yeah, I just sort of hung out and yep. uh, I barbecued. Nice. Had had the classic, as as the father-in-law would like to say, mixed grill. Okay. Little salmon, little pork tenderloin. Nice, And yeah. the... The boneless, skinless chicken thighs okay. uh, that I had marinated for two days. Right. Delish with a couple of side salads, but yeah, and a couple of pints. Never left the, the pool or the back deck. Right. Just to uh, restock and... Deck to drink, 
pool to pee, back yeah. I go. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. So it was it was great. It was uh, it was a good time. But low key, five of us, right? There was it was a small little yep little gathering. My mom was over, both of her parents. So just easy, small both numbers. Both your partner's parents, not both your mom's parents. Yeah. Oh, the big E, the big E is long gone. Yeah. God bless the big E. Um, but yeah, no, yes, no, both of Joe's parents. Right. Yeah. Well, same here. You know, it was pretty low key, pretty quiet. Did, uh, had just, had just done most of my Canada Day celebrating in the week previous up at the lake, right? So, uh, well, the it, festival of Matt can only go on for exactly, so man. Long. At some point, you gotta dry out a little, you gotta let, uh, you gotta let things mellow. But, uh, you know, some afternoon baseball. I thought the Russ Martin tribute was uh, was pretty cool. I guess if you were outside, you probably didn't get a chance to see I it. I saw the highlights of it. Yeah. I saw Russ tearing up. Yeah, and they did, like, uh, obviously the the video package of his career that was uh, narrated by Jose Bautista, which the crowd got big into, and then they yeah, do I was the... surprised by that a bit, eh? By by Joey Bats' reaction. And not that it would be negative, but to me, he's a guy that you sort of, you're like, mm. He's sort of just like, fuck, whatever. Like, uh, yeah. I'm doing my thing. Yeah, and yeah. That. And you kind of had that feeling, but the fans still clearly, and why wouldn't you? Yeah. Right? So well, it was funny because they also did, after like his kind of career retrospective, the montage of all the well-wishers, right? And yeah. the two biggest cheers that came from the crowd were for Jose Bautista and John Gibbons, yeah. which was... Uh, People love Gibby. I wanted there. to see. I wanted to hear Gibby speak French. Did you not want to hear Gibby speak some little French? <laughs> he did tease it like, <laughs> and then didn't. Nah, yeah, I'll hit you with the the San Antonio. Adios, amigo. <laughs> right, exactly. But uh, some some interesting names up there, man. I, I don't know if it's just these are the people who picked up the phone, or these are the people who he was actually buds with on the team or whatever. But Devin Travis in there, Ryan Goins in there, Joey Votto, of course. Who, yeah. uh You know, lots of international right. uh, time together. Hello, and, Canadian. Right. Um, yeah, it was Kevin Pillar, and then yeah, Batista and uh, and Gibby. It was kind of well done, but uh, so I took down that and just kind of laid low, got a little work done, kind of putting some of the studio back together as as back and forth to the lake. Many pieces get strung, unstrung. Yep. This has got to go. This has got to come back. This can stay. Uh, whatever. So yeah, that, it was pretty low key here as well. Uh, quiet weekend for the most part, but um, not so downtown. And even, uh, earlier in the day out here in the, in the burbs, uh, there was a group of, of people in militia get up and their, their camouflage jumpsuits that, whatever, uh, that marched across for people here in Ottawa, like started out at the west end of town and people even not familiar. Like they were out at, uh, kind of College Square and started all the way down baseline, down to Hogsback, then back up to downtown like they took through carlton university they had intentionally chosen to take this to the residential areas right like this is we're here to intimidate we're here to antagonize like otherwise i can tell you not one person who was on that march could get onto the campus of carlton university any other way other than there to uh to march <laughs> and then yeah they show up downtown and they didn't really seem to to get close to the actual canada day celebrations I think part of that was they were taking a different approach this time, but also part of it, I think the law enforcement uh, was far better this time in terms of just, we're not putting up with anything. We're towing shit right away. We're breaking shit up right away. Um, and so they kind of had their own little party down on, I think they were on Elgin Street at one point, kind of down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And they're still antagonistic. Trudeau didn't have the balls to show up here. And you're like, what? 
Why? Why would he? And right. why do you want him to show up here, I, I guess, to face his treason charges that, that you've laid out for him? I don't know what's left to protest, man. The mask mandates are gone. You can fly. You can travel. You can... Yeah. And not necessarily for the better. The numbers seem to be creeping back up again here. Oh, I Hospitals haven't, even, I haven't even up. seen the numbers. Of course not. We're not supposed to see yeah. them anymore. Right? I but, thought once Dofo got reelected, we'd start to see more numbers. Right. Yeah, once the election was over. No, it's it's not going good. And not just here, obviously. Like, England is in it again, big time. Quebec's hospital numbers are creeping back up. But we're just not talking about it. So, But uh, in terms of... It's now just I don't like Justin. I'm angry and I'm going to yeah. point at him. That's what these protests are now. Yeah, and and it, it's funny, you know, good good supporter of the show LSG. He was off the day before Canada Day, uh, which usually goes dark, right? But um, <laughs> he's out with he's out with his kids and whatever else. But I get a text goes from dark. Yeah, I, well, he's you know he's chatty at work. Secret agent and, man. <laughs> yeah, that's him. <laughs> He sends me a text. He's like, hey, I just saw one of the Freedom Convoy guys. He's like, I think it's him. I think it's one of them anyways because he's wearing matching hat and shirt that's that says wolves, not sheep. Oh. Yeah, it's very <laughs> ominous. And, uh, and I'm like, where'd you see him? He's like, in the shawarma place. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, the Freedom Convoy guys, are they Freedom Fighters? Do they right. do they show up at the Shawarma Palace or like yeah. what's happening here? But you wouldn't think yeah, that was on that was the day before Canada Day, so clearly you are getting the this injection of um, protesters. Yeah, um, smaller group this time. Yeah, low, well, more low key. Uh, and I think as you get more fringe a bit, yeah. right, with this sort of thing, you do get. The numbers will decrease, but it gets a little scarier too, right? In sure. terms of only the crazies are here now. Yeah, well, and and the, the the thing is, if you want to, yeah, you have a right to protest. Yep. And and again, we've said this all along, and and I I stand behind it. If you want to do it peacefully, mm-hmm. um, arrests I believe were minimal. Yep, there were some. Yep. Um, on later at night, yeah, with a handgun, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and assaulting a police officer. Yep. There's a or a peace officer. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, to me, that's no good. But if, yeah, if you want to show up and you want to protest, mm-hmm. try not to harass and intimidate the local public. Right. That's where you kind of lose me. Uh, I don't agree with you, but you do have the right. And we've maintained that on this pod for the entirety of the convoy. Yep. So, um, yeah, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. And, and to hear one of the organizers say, yeah, we're just here to keep the momentum rolling. <laughs> You're like, what momentum? Yeah. Well, what what is it? What is it exactly? You're, you know, Could make a point, convince me. Bodily, like I said, bodily autonomy. Bodily autonomy. That was that was the phrase. Ask him what he thinks about what just happened in the U.S. with the abortion. Uh, yeah. Nope. Yeah. Not the same. A nice yes. intro too that you added back onto last week's show too. I uh, we've been back and forth on that whether to well, do it. And, I can't believe we didn't we didn't touch on it actually in the show yeah um but it was it was nicely done uh i think you touched on all the things so um yeah i don't think those people are here for that no probably that, not that is not the uh, bodily autonomy when i say so yeah this is <laughs> when it's my body this is, this is it i don't get your body too bad right, <laughs> right. um so yeah uh, to me it's it's one of those things and i came across a bunch because i i really was sort of disconnected on canada Day, so i i wasn't really despite being 
know, for me, it was just Twitter. Like I, I was watching the Jays. I didn't flip to the Canada Day ceremony. I didn't flip to CBC News World to see if they were burning down downtown. But yeah, as you're flipping through Twitter, you're seeing, yeah, you know, this and that's going on and and whatever. And there was some stupid shit. There was one woman and. Fuck, I'd love to have her on the podcast, honestly, just to see what she was thinking. No one will ever find her. But uh while they're doing their chants and they're doing their group shit and whatever, there's this one obnoxious woman who keeps breaking them up and distracting them, just going, Ram Ranch at them over and over and over. And she's got a little squeaky toy to indicate the level of intelligence she's in. And every time they start up, and they're getting mad at her, right? And they're like, you know, you... That one of them yelled at a cop, arrest her, please. She's interrupting our, like, well, if we're all just here to yell bullshit at each other, ram, ram. <laughs> so I love her, man. And there's a couple of videos floating around. Fantastic. And, well, there's uh, the other guy as they were marching. There's just the one guy standing there and he's giving them all the double guns. Yes. <laughs> like just not saying anything, no. just double guns. Give them the bird with both hands. Yeah, I can't, the I the can't. stone cold Steve Austin. Yeah, if I could. If I could add six or seven more knuckles to really get this finger yeah, all the way into yeah. the air. And you gotta have the thumb flared in. Yeah, like, of course. Fuck you. <laughs> um, yeah. And so to me, it's, it's, ah. And I, I came across a, a really interesting article which talks about the hesitancy that some have with now the use of the Canadian flag, right? Yeah. And, and, and how this movement has sort of co-opted the flag, right? As, yep. as this symbol of, People saying, "Well, I don't want to, I don't want to fly the flag because people are going to think that people I'm one of those, think, yes, one of those convoy types." We were having that conversation at uh, up at our cottage. Like, what do you want to do? Like, my mom, you've met, she's got a bin full of decorations for every occasion. Man, there's hats, there's shirts, there's banners, there's flags, whatever for Thanksgiving, Easter, Christmas, Kwanzaa, probably. Uh, <laughs> so, Eid. but she's sort of like, I don't. The same thing, right? Like, what is the, what are people going to think if we fly the flag now, right? And, and I kind of get that. I was feeling that too a little bit, right? That the flag has sort of been co-opted and, and I think that's sort of half the point, right? Is we're going to take this from you a little bit. And well, I think they think that they're helping to protect it for you. Yeah, I know they do. They believe this shit. Like, yeah. there's no, a lot of the stuff you see, especially in American politics, but up here too, out of politicians, they know that they're being disingenuous. I think a lot of the supporters and the people on the ground here, they believe it. They're yep. full in on this. Of and, course. and so we were actually talking about, because the other thing you know quite well about our family is we have a lot of gear that says, I am Canadian, that's come out of beer cases over the year. For right? sure. And, uh, I'm wearing, a, I'm wearing an earphone right now. Yes, exactly, man. We one summer collected <laughs> dozens of those packs of headphones for a while that came in the, uh, uh, and there's like 15 of them. In the closet here in the studio. <laughs> yes. to, whatever. So that was sort of going to be our way around it, right? We'd use the Molson <laughs> Canadian gear yeah. up at the cottage yeah. to, uh, you know, proud to be Canadian. Let's do it up a little bit. But, you know, if uh, you kind of got to steer away from the flag, it, it takes you back to that old expression that has started to resurface here a little bit. Propaganda is not done so that you will believe everything we tell you. Propaganda is done so that you will believe nothing and thus do nothing. And this sort of fits into that, right? That the flag could now mean anything. You and so you just, well, then I guess I just won't fly the flag. I don't want to be. Yeah, see, it's, it's fucking disappointing, man. Yeah, what? And I take a different approach to it. Yeah, which is fly the flag. Yeah, yeah, and 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 take it back. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and to me, it is. I'm not saying I'll never fly the no, flight no, again. I, I'm I, just, it was complicated. This I, it is complicated, yeah. and it's complicated for a bunch of people, yeah. right? There were, in the article I was reading, there was a bunch of people uh, of, of, you know, a variety of, of newcomers to this country who fly it every year, who love this country, yeah. who love what that flag represents. Um, but it's 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 a, uh, it's an equally troubling time with with the First Nations issues, with yep. the residential schooling, yep. and well, just last year we had another discussion on this show around Canada Day about what it means to mark Canada Day. Some people are celebrating it, some using it as a time to raise awareness. Like at least that was a reasonable thing to be debating, of course, as opposed to the stuff being thrown around today. But yeah, it was again for a lot of people a troubling time to throw the flag out there, right? And See, and, and for me, on many levels, yeah, as somebody who's worn the flag mm-hmm. internationally and represented this country internationally, it means a lot to me. And and uh, and, and being in in uh, Olympic villages, yeah, where you go to the the Hall of Flags, right, and and it's uh, you see all the flags represented there are flying, and it's so easy to pick ours out. Yes, it stands out. Uh, it makes me feel proud, mm-hmm. right? Um, I understand that some are saying, yeah, I don't feel proud. And, and, and it's, it's in terms of colonial roots. Uh, well, to me, this is the flag. The 1965 flag is the post-colonial flag, mm-hmm. right? We've lost the red ensign with the Union Jack and right. we've moved away from that po- post-colonial flag. And, and, and I would hope that this flag coming up on 57 years old, is is the new is the flag of all things that are possible in this country and so to me you can only fly it and have a discussion with anybody who's willing to have a discussion with you hey fuck you hey fuck you what do you mean fuck me (laughs) i'm just flying the flag i am a yeah i am a supporter of of canada and i'm a supporter of all things that we hope that canada would represent it it really seems like for a lot of people this went further than they thought yep. it was going to and some bailed out but there are others that are just going to ride this right into the fucking ground man and, and see what they can tear up here and well you got to keep flying it and you got to keep you got to keep especially on canada day yeah that's the time hey man i am here especially if you're downtown yep fly the flag do your thing right and 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 continue to be open to conversation without you know you know with words that are longer than four letters right uh I guess NHL GMs did not get the memo that we weren't doing the July 1st thing this year. And yeah, and you're going to break news to me because I got I got no info here, so I can't wait to hear what you're going to say. haven't heard now. anything since Friday? There's been some trades, there's been some deals, but about 10 minutes before we went on the air, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning have traded Ryan McDonough to the Nashville Predators for uh, Philip Myers and uh, a prospect uh, that Myers contract is clearly going to get bought out it's one of those very rare ones that will actually give them a $600,000 credit good for Tampa they could use a break uh, along the way here so with that 6.5 million dollars of Ryan McDonough 700,000 600,000 dollars in uh, this tax credit when they buy Philippe Myers <laughs> Andre Palat no problem if they want to do that maybe they turn around maybe they add a, a Malkin instead well, Maybe they add a Claude Giroux instead. And I, I, I want to hand this to you here because there's a bunch of hockey stuff, but there's just something eating at me right now that similar. We've talked about this before. When Steve Eiserman phones you, 
just don't answer the fucking phone, right? When the Tampa Bay Lightning, maybe the best team in the league, I know they just lost the Stanley Cup final, but coming off three straight appearances in the Stanley Cup final, when they phone you and go, look, we're awesome. We keep winning. We're very smart. But don't worry. We're willing to just trade you our, one of our top four defensemen. The contract's fine. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. And Nashville is just like, cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Right? And, well, and takes and it's, that on. it's David Poyle, too, right? Who David Poyle's like, I will trade away whatever for another stud defenseman. Defenseman? Yeah. But but into those final four years at six million. We'll we'll yeah. see. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I I'm 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 saying I think you saw McDonough be not he was fine. He was fine. But he wasn't as dominant as he was in the two cup winning years. Yep. That's right. So to me he's got a lot of But how do you just get rid of that? Do you just trade it away? Yeah, well, because I think you're looking at Sergachev is is ready to take a bigger step. And, Sorry. And, I don't mean how do you get rid of that as in how could you. Oh, I mean, how, how, does, how do you find just, somebody else yeah, to do that? that yeah, well, okay. Yeah, okay. There's only, there, clearly there's more than just the senators of the Canucks out there willing to, mm-hmm. to take on these things. Although that JT Miller with a hundred points. Yeah. Seems like maybe we, it wasn't the laughable thing that we. That's true. Um, but yeah, it comes down to, and you think that's, you look at that 6.5 million. I would not overlook the Nick Paul. Resigning that that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Three million time over seven years. Now I have, as you would imagine, you don't. I just you don't give bottom six guys seven years. You just don't do it. I don't care that it's at three million dollars. You don't give those guys seven. Did years. that happen? Oh man, you really have been detached. They have locked up Nick Paul three million dollars times seven years in Tampa Bay. See, the thing is, I. I I would not, with all the rumors and all the talk, no, see, really, since Thursday, I've... A little show prep, man. I've really... Well, see, i got opinions. Don't worry about that. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. Um, but it, it, And they're going to be raw. <laughs> yeah. But it comes down to, see, people were saying, you know, well, bring Nick Paul back. Bring Nick Paul back to Ottawa. And I'm like, no. We've already had him here. What he did in Tampa, he didn't do here. And that has to do with... With what he's got around him. Sure. All these sorts of things. We don't want to pay Nick Paul three million bucks. I, I don't. Not for seven years. And so to me, that is one of those things where, yeah, see that, that is. But there's a thousand reasons to, like in, in Tampa, if I'm him, I'll take less. Cause A, it's a f- tax free, you know, tax free state. All good. I'm on a good team. I'm not sure it's going to be good for seven years. It's going to be good for at least two or three more. Yep. Um, and, you know, they know how to do things here. I, I get, I get it if you're Nick Paul, but I've said it a thousand times when you just, that type of player you can find. You find those guys every year. You don't give them yeah. seven years. You don't yeah. have to do and, that. And see, he's a guy who Cooper loves, yep. right? And he plays up and down the lineup. He doesn't play in the first line. Right. But he does. There are times where when Sorelli went, went down or had a bad bum shoulder, whatever that deal was, points out, you had him up. This is your bangerang cream this soda? This is the cream soda bangerang. Good, because I'm not that far from the end of my beer, so yep. we're looking at. Um, yeah, that he is a guy that Cooper sees as not strictly a bottom six guy. I think he sees him as a middle six guy. Okay, but. Right, I, I, hey, <laughs> I, I'm, not di- I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I don't want him for seven years at $3 million because for sure at the end of this, unless the cap goes way up. And it should. It but, should. But. but but no, no, and so to me, Nick Paul clearly is one of those guys who 
turned down, I think the reporter was four times 2.5, so 10 million over four years from yeah. Ottawa. And he's now got half a mil more. <laughs> In Tampa, per on a year, good team for longer, and 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 the tax system <laughs> yep. way different. Yeah. So good for that guy. That guy's one. But to me, you're, I I totally agree with you. Brock Besser reups in Vancouver. Have you seen this one? Am I breaking more news for you here? You bet, man. Keep three, going. Three years, six point five million dollars. And I okay. think that one for Vancouver, that's a nice little deal well, for because, that guy because he's coming off a down year or two. I don't think he's ever going to be quite what they thought he was initially. But he's a very good player, and and you kind of buy up a little more UFA time, get him at six point five. I think that's a pretty good deal okay, for that guy because there was going to be so that's got to be structured in a way where I think there was going to have to be a you know QO of yeah. So they've obviously made the money work over the three year term, yes, right? In yeah. terms of so it's a six point five AAV, yes, and so that's good on him. And 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 super smart on their part, I think. I think so too. Because he had to look at it, and they talk about right the problems with Brock being his father passing away. Yeah, how, he's been through some shit. How hard that was on him, right? And and I think, I think if he's to look at that situation and go, yeah, I've got a good opportunity here. So to me, that is, and yeah, you did break that to me too. <laughs> uh, but but it's but I I did know the situation and what was what was happening and. And where this was all leaning, so to me, this is one of those things where you go, yeah, okay, it's kind of, it's got a bit of show me, yeah, on both sides. And you go, it, it, that guy, you know, he's a sixty-five point guy. Oh yeah, right. When you look at that and go six point five, and he's probably, if he can get back and kind of, you know, you hate to be callous about it, but if he can get past, yeah, yeah. his dead dad. <laughs> it's a little callous. Yeah, that's the he's, way the way you said it. Yeah. He's, in theory, he's a 30-goal guy in his sleep. Yeah, for sure he is. Yeah. For sure he is. To, to me, that's a 70-point guy on that team with the way they're set up and the way they're moving forward. Now, we'll see what happens if they're going to remove Miller, which they seem to, yeah. for some reason, really want to. And this is one of those, another one where, kind of like what I said with Nashville, right? JT Miller just comes off the year of his life. And NHL GMs are like, well, that must be his new normal. Yeah. Here's everything we got, right? I No, thank you. Well, let's talk about Ottawa here for a second because... No, I said no, thank you. No, I don't, uh, I don't think JT Miller is headed there, but we also saw, as I prepare to break more news for you, Matt is the TCA insider, and that means he breaks news to TCA people. And that's, <laughs> that's news that's otherwise three days old. Uh, Kevin Fiala dealt from the Minnesota Wild, to the L.A. Kings. And I know that was a guy that Ottawa fans were sort of like, you know, that might be a... You're not breaking that. I got I, I got that one. Okay, well. Uh, that's for a first-round... <laughs> How round dare you pick. talk down to me? That's for a first-round pick and a prospect. Brock Faber? Faber. And apparently, like, he was pretty happy to go back to Minnesota. A lot of those American kids, you know, coming out of, of that area, he's going to be fine yeah. to go back there. And a first-round pick... L.A. turns around and locks up Fiala to a seven-year, I think it was around $7 million. 7.9. Uh, okay, just shy of, of eight. That's a big contract for that guy. That's big money. And L.A. did need it. One of the things you were looking at when you watched L.A. take on Edmonton in the playoffs was they, you know, they did their thing really well. Like, they defended well, They did, but they didn't have a game-breaker, right? And I wonder what this says about some of the guys that they have coming. And if, like, this is going to push, like, an Alex Turcotte down a little bit. Right. I think 
you're going to see Byfield still play, but there's some other pieces there. Uh, what's his name? Kaliev. Yep. Uh, like, are former, they in, former Peter Pete? Yeah. Are they not as sold on him as the rest of us? And they think they need this because eight million bucks for that guy is is a lot. Um, were you interested in him as a senator, and and would you still have been at that number? Nope. To both. Uh I was I was skeptical on him. You, you listen to different different scouts talk about their draft year and how the concern was he didn't have, have enough sandpaper. Like he didn't have enough Fiala. Fiala. Yeah. Right. Uh, in terms of giving up, like they gave up the 16th or the 19th pick in the yes. first round and and favor. That's it. Yep. And, and for a guy you deem to be an eight million dollar player, that is to me is not that steep. Right. Right. So if you look at Ottawa's seventh overall. Mm-hmm. And Lassie Thompson, or sure, like another defenseman, uh, Jacob Bernard Docker, right? Yeah. Somebody in that on the cusp, yeah. And a higher first, that price is not is not that onerous. But I'm not sure Fiala was the guy here. I for, don't love the contract for eight million bucks. Yeah. If you now have to slot Fiala in with Norris. Stutzla coming up, yep. uh, you know, you already have Shabbat and Kachuk at, well, at eight. Three years away from Sanderson. From two years away from Sanderson because right, okay. they had to write one of those years off. Yes, right. And so you are looking at and you go, I don't know if I want $8 million to Fiala. Now I get it. There's lots of Sens fans who are saying, yeah, sooner or later you got to step off the curb and you got to do something. Yep. I'm just not sure. I don't think that was the guy. It, it's Kevin Fiala. Uh, post-media reports, as we stay on the Senators here, the Sens are at least considering attaching Matt Murray to that seventh-round pick and trading it away as a way to unload. To the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's, uh, no. Are we hearing more of that, though, or is that just me? No, I did hear it a couple of weeks ago. It did make its way around. The insiders were talking about it. It seems to have been shot dead. I heard it again just late last week. Okay. Probably here in Ottawa. Yeah, but with Ottawa taking on... Obviously, a substantial amount of that salary. Yeah, I don't see anyway. I don't I, see it either. No. Anyways, but I'm just. I'm, I, it seems to have it, it. It went away and then it came back again. And you're like, I don't know. The uh, the talk right now seems to be at least this rumor would be that you would use the seventh round pick to unload Matt Murray. Are the Senators at a point where that's the right thing to do? Are you prepared to use that asset because you're about to spend so much money that you need Matt Murray gone? Or do you want to make that seventh pick and find a different way to unload Murray? Yeah, see, to me, to me, you're only doing that if you're if you are big game hunting. Well, I think once someone else is taking on Matt Murray, you're because it's not just his cap hit. He's, these are also the expensive years at seven and eight million over the next yeah, two yeah, years. Yeah, fifteen million bucks over two years. Yeah, for sure. and, and so all I'm saying is, yeah, whether or not. I don't think you're big game hunting. I think you're giving so, someone that pick to take Matt Murray. Yeah. So to me, you don't give a seventh yeah. overall. Like to me, I'm, and that's not my money. No. And, and clearly there's other, there's other motives behind this, but yeah, you can't, we'll give you Zaitsev to take that. How about that? Yeah. Two and a half million dollar cap hit. They just paid a two million dollar yeah. bonus. So there is some talk that he will now be easier yep. uh, to unload with yep. just two and a half million. It's like a reverse senator's move. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, but what are you going to do, right? Yeah. And that's why when it came to buyouts and the buyout window. Now, do you have any buyout none? I have no buyout news okay. here in front of me. Because when the buyout window opened, I was like, oh, now I'm I haven't heard anything. But it is it lasts until the twelfth, so yeah, some people will kick this as far down the road as they so can. So 
it, it, you know, Zaitsev coming with that sort of, uh, because he has the... Colin White would be Ottawa's buyout. For sure he That's would That's the be. digestible one. Yeah. And so, because it makes, it's half of what it was if you, yeah. if you make it next year. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't see it happening. I think it's a pipe dream. And, and as you say, I think it's, it's just a lot of talk that generates out of the Ottawa market. We'd like to be, we'd like to be rid of Matt Murray. Right. And, but if you're Toronto, and, and as soon as you start to hear these talks that Toronto may take him, and you're like, whoa, what if we, what if he regains some of that cup winning? And then you're like, suddenly he's Matt Murray <laughs> again from, yeah, suddenly he's a 17, 18 or $3 million. Or, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's because, because his, his cap hit is 6.25. Yeah. And so if Ottawa took three of it, yep. That Toronto's paying that guy 3.25. And if he, if he's healthy, and woohoo! Third cup. <laughs> well, this, you're like, oh, okay, well, sends worst nightmare. Yeah, this is it, right? Yeah. And so you're like, hey guys, if you can find somebody to take this, <laughs> you let it go and you be, be damned, whatever. Because I do you, don't think they're yeah, taking that risk. I don't but, think they're but, taking, especially with Morazic, unless they can get yeah, Morazic off enough. the books. Yeah. And, and has has that Campbell ship sailed? It sure sounds like I think it was Jonas Siegel and Chris Johnston have both said that there's been very very little talk between the two sides and somebody i can't remember now one of the reasonably reputable insiders said maybe edmonton which would be interesting right if he i hear camper follows uh follows hyman out there and gets himself to another conference final and leaves the leafs in the lurch here i i, I don't know I, I i've i like jack campbell and if I'm Jack Campbell and I've made as little money in my career as I have, I'm going for every dollar I can find Give somewhere. Give me that five times five. Yep. And I just, Toronto New, can't do it. New like, Jersey is what I have. I've heard New Jersey. Um, Toronto, I, I keep hearing, is sniffing around trying to figure out could Varlamov be dealt out of, uh, out of New York? Cause they're obviously going to ride with Sorokin the rest of the way. Is That's there how we ride there? with Sorokin. Right. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I think Campbell's probably gone. Um, what Toronto is going to do, you know, I think Toronto would probably prefer to attach another pick or another prospect to Morazic and ship him right out rather than buy him out and have that take up space on the cap for the next four years, uh, even if it's minimal space. The other talk has been, could he possibly be this bad again? And one of two, th- well, there's no, th- I don't think he can. Right. So do you keep him? You don't want him as your starter. You can't rely on him as your top guy. But he plays, and he plays better, or he's on LTIR, in which case you'll happily take his cap space. But the third option is he doesn't get hurt, and he's just terrible. <laughs> so you, you, you think? Are you, are you thinking an option of Shelligren and no? And Marassic, you'd still have your, to find somebody two, else. Are your two guys? You, couldn't, you can't like, do it. Let's do this. How would Pavel Francouz? Sure, let's go. Could you yeah. could you see that happening here? No. <laughs> I honestly I have no idea what what's gonna maybe a Rhymer reunion. What about uh, Brian Elliott? Nope. No. <laughs> Not doing that. Our Rhymer I love it. Yeah. Although he's a senator's killer, that guy. Well for some reason the Sens keep beating us and we're supposed to be good, so uh, That's when you start Bernier and those sorts of things. That's right. how that works. Uh so we'll see. The other name here that I wanted to bring up as uh as we're still just shy, I guess, of two weeks away from free agency is Philip Forsberg. And uh, we did joke about it a week or two ago that he was spotted here in town, but in Ottawa, but the wedding. Ryan Spooner's wedding. Right. But I think that's an interesting debate. That guy had 42 goals this year. He puts up 30 in his sleep. 
and Nashville needs goal scoring, and he seems happy in Nashville, but they're pushing this right to the end. And this one reminds me a little bit of Gabe Landeskog last year, where he got all the way to the opening of free agency, yep. and there was lots of talk that maybe the Blues were going to get that guy. And I wonder if... I guess the complication seems to be he wants to get paid, but they're not willing... He, he's got to fit in between... Duchesne and Johansson at eight million and Yossi at nine million. That's the sweet spot. They're not going to pay him more than Yossi. He obviously feels incorrectly like he's worth more than Duchesne and, and Johansson. Can they make something happen there times eight years at like an eight point five, an eight point seven, something like that? Tax free again in in Tennessee. How old is that guy now? He's got to be pushing up against thirty for sure, easily. Easily, I, I man, and that's one of those things where. And did Ryan McDonough just take his money? <laughs> well, and and you are looking at. Uh, I can't speak to Johansson so much, but Duchesne had a good year. He did, but are you banking on that? No, I am absolutely not. Yeah. And so all I'm saying is, as a as another guy who's over thirty, yeah, right. You are starting to look at getting I, old. I don't know if you want to be banking on seven or eight years on anybody at thirty if you're Nashville with the existing core. Well, yeah, as you say, like, Duchesne, Johansson, Yossi, Ekholm, like, they're getting yeah. kind of old, yeah. right? Like, well, not Forsberg, unplayably it, old, but lock up another guy to eight years. This old. is it. Yeah. And, and so, to me, you were already looking at, um, as great as Saros was this year, yeah. right? He was lights out. And, and then when he wasn't healthy and available in the playoffs, team was fairly pedestrian. Right. Right? They give up chances. And if their goaltending is not Vezina caliber, they just got their fucking doors blown. Off. Well, this is it, man. I hope you brought your wood screws because we're gonna blow the fucking doors right off you. And and I don't get bringing back this same core and and now doubling down again on your on your defense heavy. Ah, just to me, man. David Poyle, I think is there's a lot of waving at things going on down there now, and and I just think this is probably you should probably let that guy go. The cream soda bangerang tastes identical to cream soda. Fucking nailed it. Okay. I've never had a bangerang. Uh, I, th- this is a... It's a seltzer. A seltzer. Yeah. Yes, yeah. See, that's a douchebag drink right there. That's what I used to say to Maddie. Until I stumbled across them and started loving them. <laughs> and now, now they're awesome. Well, it was not, was it not Bahar that was in here? It was, he was, uh... No, that was, uh, Justin Howell. Justin Howell. Yeah. Sorry. Canadian guy. Red Blacks, yep. 0 and 3. Yeah. But looking good, looking better. Nah, <laughs> see, man, why? That's like, I, I, you know what? Hey, just before we take a quick break here, team starting Canadian quarterbacks 4 and 0 this season in the CFL as Trey Ford and, and Nathan Rourke both 2 and 0 now. Yeah, that, uh, respective. That Elks, or, uh, Elks, sorry, I guess Rourke is 3 and 0. Yeah. And uh, Ford is 1 and 0 for the Elks. And the Elks beat Hamilton, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah, both teams were both teams were winless, and somebody had to win. Yep, but yeah, I yeah. like it, man. Canada Day weekend, we're just throwing Canadian quarterbacks out there, and they're getting yeah. the job done, man. Yeah, yeah. But the Red Blacks, to me, that I'm, I'm like, I don't want to. When Masoli gets out there and he throws for 130 yards or whatever it was, or <laughs> and you're like, you know what, man? We've seen not a pile of your good arm, and and I'm just, I'd like, I'd like people to shut up now with the. <laughs> Like let's hear some let's see some results. Yep. You're going out to Saskatchewan and then the following week you're in Hamilton. Now that's not clearly the 
the daunting task it has been the past right. couple of years. Yep. But you are 0-3, and you are looking at 0-4 as you go out to Regina next week. Um, not, I see Regina lost, you know, Saskatchewan lost to Montreal. But to me, it's a lot of, as we've seen in other years, the defense held them in the first couple of games. Yep. And the defense was unable to do it against BC. I don't care if you only allowed 34 points. That was an awesome game, though. It was fun to watch. It was indeed. But at the end of the day, the Red Blacks have to start winning games at home. I believe they are 1-16 and in their last 17 home games. Brutal. And people say, oh, it's a great great environment. You're like, well... Getting less great by the week. Well, and yeah, it's, I gotta drink more beers out of a boot to, to, to make, <laughs> to make this losing palatable. Yeah. So anyways, that, that was a little segue, but in terms of the locals, get shit done. Uh, let's talk a little baseball. As we sit here right now, the Jays getting shit kicked seven to one by the Rays for, uh, the third straight game after yesterday's doubleheader, uh, or Saturday's doubleheader. Not a whole lot of fun there. Uh, but they did win games one and two. Uh, on, uh, on Thursday and Friday. Look, it's been, uh, an interesting homestand as we sit here now. It looks like they'll finish it four and four. Um, I don't know, man. I was hoping for a little more. You could put a little bit of space between you and the Red Sox and the Rays and you're just sort of fucking still sitting here treading water. Yeah. Uh, and, and really when, nah. <laughs> when you win the first two games, especially the Kikuchi, the Kikuchi match, right? You know, match match yeah the the kikuchi game you win that and you're like hey <laughs> we are all this talk right you're like oh are you gonna be, skip are, him and yeah, yeah what's gonna happen that guy because the brewers game you had no idea whether that guy was gonna hit the strike zone all right or any or hit the batter you know just like <laughs> and it's got to be super intimidating as a batter to be like yeah, i don't know where this this guy has no idea where that fastball is going oh this is fucking gorgeous yeah so we're now into the black magic woman that you just finished. Yeah, and it's highly drinkable, am I right? Yeah, and it's got a little bit of, uh, obviously, black. It's it's not... It's, uh, got, it's malty. It's got a little yeah, roasty, yeah. Kind of uh, roasty is the right uh, term for it. Stops kind of just short of almost stout-like, right? It's Yep. But closer to that than the IPA, I find. Like, normally when... Uh, what was the, the black IPA you always used to bring from... Uh, Release the Hounds! That was very clearly an IPA. Yep. And I liked it. This, to me, is closer to... To a stout or a porter, yeah. almost than a yeah. than well, the IPA. It's nice though. I didn't get a pile of the of, of the high hop, right? Like they were calling for it to be more hop forward, but it, it is to me was very drinkable. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, you're drinking that, and I'm moving on to the walking on sunshine, which I expect to be refreshing, a palate cleanser, right? Um, but when it comes down to the Jays, this team to me is is so inconsistent, right? And it clearly comes down to the, the quality of the pitching. This this rotation that they said was going to be third best in the major leagues, man, mm-hmm. you are now looking at Manoa, and then a, a really spotty Berrios and 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 Gossman, right? Like this is. Well, I a, wonder about Gossman who. He got hit. He was dealing there in the beginning of uh, the the first game of the doubleheader Saturday before someone lined one off his ankle. X-rays come back negative. And, uh, but he's pretty swollen, pretty bruised. They don't know yet whether or not he'll make his scheduled start out west on Thursday. But. Oh, he'll make it. I just. The, when you look at his numbers, there's a lot of kind of weird stuff happening there. A yep. lot of kind of fluky stuff happening there. I'm not worried about him. I am a little worried about Barrios, who even when he does manage to go five, six, seven innings for you, you're still like, 
man, there's no swing and miss here like there was last year. Right? There's no strikeouts yep. here last like there was last year. That there's something happening there that is a little more concerning to me. Well, the first game of the doubleheader, I missed. I, I tuned into the third inning, and Lawrence is pitching, and I'm like. What the fuck has happened here? But yeah. it's only but it's only one one at right. that time or three so, one whatever it so was. Gosman hasn't shit the bed that. Yeah, bad. I'm like, uh, and, and of course you're waiting for Dan to give me the if you're just tuning in. Yeah, but nothing happened till like the seventh inning, and I'm like, I'm watching, and I'm like, well, what's going on here? Right. And so it was, was scary because he went down and stayed down. Like it wasn't like he was grasping and like reaching right at his ankle where you could clearly tell oh shit like he it's his foot or it's his like you saw him get hit and you knew it was in the leg but it looked at the same time that it hit him like someone like a sniper in the fifth deck had yeah. taken him out. and actually the first tweet i saw about it was like oh great gosman's dead <laughs> like yeah. just the way he went down break out the subruder film <laughs> right. what's happening here and luckily he does get up he walks off under his own power um which was good to see but you're just like, fuck, now what, right? Like, it's just, it's always something with Tampa. And even if it's not them specifically, yeah, it's like, it's whenever we're playing them, well, shit goes bad. And then you proceed to get blown out for the next. Well, so then Lawrence got hit yes. and then Hatch got hit in the, in the, in the second half. And you're like, yeah, Thomas Hatch, their ninth starter gets absolutely blown up. Yeah. I like I tried to not take too much out of the Did double. Did you watch header. both games? Yeah. Well, I watched the entire. Out. Yeah, I watched the entire first game, and then I watched some of the second game, and then I went for a nice long stroll. But I had Ben Wagner and Arden Zwelling on the radio call in my ear as I was out walking around, and and uh, yeah, like I tried to not take too much out of Saturday because once Gossman went down, yeah, that game you're like Fuck. it's patchwork all the way, right? And you still lost it, but. Uh, McClanahan that you were facing is going to start the all-star game. He's been fucking unbelievable. So that one was a write-off and then Thomas Hatch gets smashed around in the second one and yeah, you wish you to put up more of a fight because Tampa's not exactly rolled in here with all their guys either. Right. They got like six pitchers on the IL right. right now. So there's no excuses, but you're just sort of like, well, that's the way that day went. But to watch them get beat around again here on Sunday. Yeah, and so to me there was watching... Especially the second half of the doubleheader on Saturday, when you looked at, you know, one in the first, two in the second, three in the third, and you're like, oof. Yeah. Now's the time, man. You can't let that guy start the fourth inning. And when they brought him back out for the fourth, you've clearly waved the flag. This on- is game two? Yeah. Yeah. On the game. You have said, we want to save our pitchers, so we've lost this game, so... We don't want to use any of the relief pitchers that we're going to need for the, you know, they played Sunday, and then they're going for... It was five games in seventy-two hours. Yeah, and then they're but then they're heading out west, right? Yeah, and, and then with no off day. And so you're like, but we're just going to let Hatch ride. We've given up on this game, and so to me, I give up on. He the was going to have to wear it, yeah. But still, you have give. I think it ended eleven-five. Yeah, like with the Jays, with the Jays batting the lineup, they they can hit. Yeah, but uh, once you once you bring a guy back out for that fourth, already down six or six-one. Yeah. You've you've waved the flag, man. You've said, yeah, this guy's likely going to get a four spot put on him in the fourth, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> We're just we, letting it happen. Yeah, yeah I'm going to roll over. Can I spread him for you? We got a uh, longtime friend of the show, Kyle from Boston, sent me a message on uh, on Saturday night. Cause Thanks for sticking with us, Kyle. Yeah, honestly, man. Uh, and said, 
he brought up my long-standing belief here that I've tweeted it a hundred times. I know I've mentioned it on the show. Without exception, this should be doable. Toronto is always at home on Canada Day and always on the road on July 4th. The way we do three-day uh, series, that shouldn't be difficult. And this year, Toronto drew the straw that they got to play at home on Canada Day. But to be on the road on July 4th, we're going to give you Oakland. Yeah. Why don't you hop on a cross-continent flight with no... I mean, like, almost anywhere else would have been better. Chicago, Cleveland, Boston, New York, Tampa, Philly, Pittsburgh, St. Louis. Even Seattle is far, but it doesn't have the south component of the flight, right? Like, Kansas, you could have sent us anywhere, but and so he anyway his, the, his message was just like hey thanks for being willing to play on uh, on July Fourth in Oakland <laughs> yeah all right I guess I had that coming right because yeah, well, obviously uh, you you should have had an off day right yeah. on a Monday before you travel it west like that and nope yeah July Fourth got to yeah. play in front of twelve hundred people in Oakland <laughs> yeah but you will be wearing red white and blue unis or hats anyways I've read about that I guess they've managed to it's going to be on the Jays, it's just red and white. It's not going to be red, white, and blue. Okay. Or it's less. Is there stars on it? Is there? No, I don't think. Like I think, and there was a lot of talk. Well, let's talk. Yeah, because this is a thing we've seen in the past. I think the Twins when they've been up here. I think maybe Kansas City. There's been two or three teams that when they've come for Canada Day have worn a maple leaf on their uniform. Is this a secondary? Oh, I don't know about that. Just in, oh, I, I'm telling you, there's been at least two or three teams, and well, you can't, you can't, you got to discount the Twins because that is really just about Southern Canada. Winnipeg. Yes, this is about as close but, as you're going to get. But they've been willing; they're far more willing because it, it probably doesn't matter, right? Like they're for some reason Canadians are very. And I, I kind of get it with where America is right now, circling the bowl and as the empire rots and all these sorts of things. I'm probably not helping right now. We as Canadians take it far more personally to have the Blue Jays, which is stocked full of Americans. Yeah, yeah. Put a little U.S. flag on our sleeve or our the side of our hat or whatever. Whereas, it's almost like cute for the American teams right. to come across the border and, yeah, alright. And now they're more willing to participate in Canada Day than we are to allow our team to participate in July 4th. Yeah, well, I, and I guess what you're, what you're referring to is, is the little brother thing. Yeah. It's yeah. the 37 million versus the 340 million. Right. And we're already inundated with, with American culture. And, sure. And, and so you're like, you have to preserve what is yours and what is, there's there's many similarities. There are many differences between the two countries. Sure, it and, just and I know and, and so to as you said, it's cute for them to put a little maple leaf on their on their shirt and go, "Hey, good for you guys." I see yeah. what you're doing here. Whereas it's just it just yeah. And it, again, look, it's, I it it would grate on me to see a blue jay uniform with an American flag beside it, but I kind of get it. Like all our guys are American. Oh, and we yet have, we, we have, don't. We have we have very we have quite a few Latinos. We there. do, sure, but at the same time, I don't know. There, it just seems like a lot of the teams that come, not all of them certainly, but there's at least three that I can remember. I know it's Kansas and Minnesota, I believe that I, for sure have come up and been willing to be like, all right, like we'll, yeah, we'll we'll take part. Well, you know what the thing is, and and it's it's funny because it's it's just a it's a it's a stock sort of a thing 
uh, came came across whether it was on Netflix. I don't know where it was. It was the J Lo sort of a documentary about the the building leading up towards the Super Bowl performance mm. and how it was going to be this statement on Latinas and 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 right with Shakira. Uh, yep, this and, is like two three years ago in 2019, 2020 Super Bowl. It was whatever 2020. That was. I yeah. can remember. Steve Warren, I'm going to let you finish. Steve Warren was our last guest before the world closed on NHL trade deadline day. Yes. And I asked you guys what you thought of the Super Bowl halftime show, and neither of you would throw me a bone when I dug myself a hole saying that <laughs> they looked good for their age. <laughs> Both just sat there and like let me drown. And Well, Steve and I are the same vintage, so... Right, uh, probably it, just in general, just... They look good. Looking right? good. And they did. Anyway. Yeah. But J-Lo. It's the phrase in the documentary that she wanted to do uh, Born in the USA and have uh, Shakira sing it or – and and the mm. notion – yeah. And the notion – That would have been interesting. Well, what she said was America at its best, everybody wants to be American. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. And, and, and I, I get what she's saying. But no, I don't want to be American. Certainly not right now. <laughs> yeah, well, and this is this is at the end of the Trump thing, right? She sang at Biden's in yeah, you know, that's inauguration, right. Yes, that's right? right? So this is in that time frame, and and I get there's so much about the states that is enviable, you know. But mm-hmm. I'm not sure anymore what's happened to the. I know we've stretched this. From, that's all right, ma'am. But it is this: give us your wretched, give us your poor. Well, just make sure they're white and Christian, and yeah. then we're good to go. So I, I just this idea that and so you, you're wretched. Well, that, that is what I think. That's right there at uh, at the Statue Your of Liberty. Masses, yeah, are, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it, give us, hey, the American dream is yours. Yeah, come on in. Yeah, if you look like we want you to look like, we like the same God that we like. And here's your gun. Enjoy your stay. Here's your gun, your diapers, and your hooch. All in no, the same no place. No diapers, <laughs> no baby formula, none of that. <laughs> Anyways, it, it, it's that notion that is, and so I think I think I bristle a, a bit about that and, and say, I, I I'm with you, and like I said, I wouldn't love seeing the American flag beside the Blue Jay logo, but I think I might be slightly over, yeah, yeah, oversensitive to it. Okay, and and, and, and the flip side is, I don't need to see the twins. No, I don't, I don't care about you. that either. I, that doesn't mean anything to me. No. We're going to wear the reds. And Matt, we're only going to wear the reds on Canada Day. We're not going to wear them on the Saturday following or the, or two weeks before that as a, as a third year. No. You don't love the reds, eh? I love the reds. Oh. On, on Canada, Canada okay. Day. That's it. And Mike Wilner, again, friend of the show, was, uh, <laughs> the Blue Jays get a rare win in the reds. It seems like they get shit kicked all the time when they wear the reds. It's almost like karma being like, hey, you are the blue Jays. Yeah. How about you just stick to your, uh, yeah. I don't mind the red, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I don't, uh, to me, once a year. Yeah, I got a little more time for it than that, but I, I don't want to see it like every week or anything okay, like but that. See, you have the whites, you got the grays, you got the, the powder blues. The, the, I don't like the powder blues no, either, man. Like, <laughs> And I got, you know, I got time for 1985 powder blues. Yeah. Like if that's what's happening, if, if Dave Steve is, is rocking those. Right. Not in 2022, but I don't need to see the. Hey, you know what? I'm just, I, I it just came to me right now. I'm going to help you spend your Monday and Tuesday off this week. Terrific documentary on Dave Steve that, uh, I might even have, uh, 
brought up before. I'll post the link in the show notes, but uh, you will absolutely love it. It it actually talks about this is an American perspective, and they've latched onto it. Like, how the fuck did this guy not get more love? All the times he came that close to a no hitter, yeah. a perfect game, and it got broken up. All the times he was shortchanged on Cy Young or MVP votes. It's terrific, and it is full of names that will be right in your your uh, early Blue Jay fandom. And where's this rock? Where it's just it? on YouTube. Get out of here. Yeah, I'll send it along. It's uh, it's on the secret base. It used to be part of SBN, but uh, I'll send it over to you, man. It's fucking fantastic. Well, but it, the reason I'm telling you it's going to take your Monday and Tuesday, it's like four 90-minute parts. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, And so to me, I read in high school, Tomorrow Will Be Perfect. Yeah, his book. And he was a bulldog, like in terms oh, and he of was an asshole. <laughs> yeah, but and and so, but clearly, all those stats, all those achievements that just sort of went unrecognized, yeah, because he's playing in Toronto in those days, yep, in the mid '80s, and so, yeah, when they talk about and it was funny because uh, whether it was Shulman or um, Tabler or Siddle, one of the one of the who said Alec Manoa has a bit of Dave Steve to him, right. And I love that. Yeah. I love, to me, that's a bulldog. That's a guy who's going to get out there and I'll throw him inside. There was a great Twitter video on, uh, on Canada Day, early in the day that the Blue Jays put out. And it was just Alec Manoa walking around. He's way out of tune. He clearly doesn't know the words, but he's trying to sing, oh, Canada, getting ready for the game. <laughs> and so the Blue Jays tweet out the video and said, a million retweets. We let Alec Manoa sing the anthem next year on Canada Day. So Alec Manoa quote tweets it himself. He's like, confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that guy, he's <laughs> honestly, he is, he's a throwback. Love that guy. He's man. a throwback ball player, right? Yeah. Doesn't want to use the pitch calm because he's like, no, man, baseball is, is, yeah. is signals. And now I, I wouldn't mind if he went with the pitch calm. Exactly. But, but, but to me, it just in his, he is a grinded out, I'll pitch up and in, whatever. Sure. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And so to me, the Dave Steve reference. Extremely confident. Yeah. Was, was a great, comp- comparison and, and blue jay fans have got to love that and i know we went in a bunch of different directions it's all right here man that's what that's what we do so uh look we'll get to uh, i want to get to the ufc in a few minutes before we do we should talk about the hockey canada story because this has been going on for a couple of weeks now and we haven't touched on it uh we've gotten a couple of mentions on twitter a couple questions just asking <laughs> like why we haven't gotten to yep. it and i think that's legit like those are fair for questions sure, for sure it is. um I don't think that you and I, either one of us, have thought, let's avoid it. There's just been other things going on. And at the well, time... We haven't, we haven't been in studio. Right. And and it did build a bit over the last few days, the last week or so, as more and more sponsors started to bail out. And as we sit here now, Esso is the most recent. That's Imperial Oil. And they have said, we're not bailing completely on Hockey Canada, but we are going to stop sponsoring the World Junior Team and the World Junior Broadcasts. Uh, we've also seen Canadian Tire, Scotiabank, and Tim Hortons all either pause or cancel their sponsorships either to Hockey Canada or the World Junior Program in general. If you're not familiar with this story, I'll post a link to Rick Westhead's reporting on this. As usual, he's the guy doing the uh, the the difficult reporting on behalf of, of TSN. And back in June of 2018, there was a woman who has now since settled with Hockey Canada out of court, I believe the, to the tune of $3 million, uh, who went to them and said, eight members of your team sexually assaulted me. And because they settled, the names have never become public, uh, but they have since been called in front of 
the government here in Ottawa on Parliament and asked to explain themselves. Um, for people unfamiliar, this is part of Hockey Canada has such a huge presence, right? You see that logo all over the World Championships or the World Juniors or whatever, but they are also very similar to Fencing Canada or Swim Canada, right? They're a government funded organization that not, not for profit that takes taxpayer dollars. And so they were called in front of the government to say, hey, what's going on here? And their biggest thing honestly seemed to be, did you spend taxpayer money to pay off this woman, this, this sort of settlement? And there was a bunch of uncomfortable questions asked. And the one that seems to be glossed over the most and, and is now sort of seems to be the one that, you know, probably rightly the sponsors have glommed onto is how many times a year do you hear about this sort of thing? And Hockey Canada, yeah, there's one or two a year. And it is important to keep in context that this is also the organization, while it organizes your NHLers going to the World Championships or the World Juniors every year, these are the people across Canada that run minor hockey, right? Little Bobby and Susie, and they're part of their... Little Timbits yep. program, this sort of thing. So maybe one or two per year, while it's disgusting, you are not necessarily talking about at the world junior level. An at epidemic. The world, right. You're talking about something happened in northern Saskatchewan and then in southwestern Ontario this year, and we had to deal with it. And so... All of these things are important, but you're now seeing major sponsors bail out on on Hockey Canada and say, you need to be more transparent. You need to tell us how you're going to prevent this from happening again in the future. You need to tell us more about how you resolved this and decided to just, you know, pay this off without interviewing almost anybody by the sounds of it. Uh, Victor Mete here, who played most recently for the Senators, but was on that team, and it should be noted, was not at the event in London where this event or this assault allegedly took place. Not allegedly. They paid her off. I, I guess it... I think everyone's pretty sure it took place. It did take place. Um, he was not at that event. And so he says the first he heard about it was on Rick Westhead's reporting, which, of course, Rick Westhead then has to go, well, then how deep was Hockey Canada's investigation if members of that team yeah. haven't even been... Even if you weren't there, are there group chats? Are there text messages? Are Is there knowledge of... This thing that happened with eight of your teammates. Man, this thing's a mess. Hockey Canada is a huge organization in this country, in the sporting world. I, where are you at with this right now? Well, the, and there's so many, so many ways to go with yeah. this. Um, first of all, yeah, sickening, sickening episode or incident or crime that occurred mm -hmm. in London. And, and it's, it's also worth noting that they said, it was um, a medal presentation, but it was a CHL presentation mm -hmm. as well. Not a World Junior so much. It's a Hockey Canada fundraiser. Right. And so there were CHL players. They're not just. That's right. So it's funny because everyone was like, okay, well, let's look at this. Kale, yeah, here's the Kale roster. McCarr, of the... Batherson, Formanton, Mete. You know, you start to go through and you're like, okay, there's a. Who was on the team? Who, who was, was there, on who that World there. Junior team, yeah. right? And so Mete, obviously another one. Um, well, this is the. Difficult part of it is when you don't name names, right. everybody right. gets painted. Right. Uh, and so, and, and to go, it was a civil suit more or less that, or not even, it was just settled. Yeah. And so the fact that it went all these, these years, almost four years, and then, it, you know, the, 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 uh, 
accusation, the allegation right. comes, and then three weeks later, Hockey Canada settles, and you're like, that clearly says to me they had awareness and confirmation that this, this happened. happened, right? And so, what? And to me, the the point that came up, Rick Westhead was on local radio, and the question was. Okay, so Hockey Canada knew about this for four years, mm-hmm. and had these allegations not come up or this article, would we ever have known about right. this? No, no, we would not we were have. Sweeping and, this under the and, and so up. then the next question is, yeah, how many how many times does this happen? And they go, yeah, one or two times a year, and that's one or two times. It's like anything else. It's like your bad Google review on the restaurant you went to. Mm-hmm. For every one negative review you have, how many? Are just unreported, right? And it's interesting in the uh, I can't remember where it came, whether it was on the national or where they were reporting on this, and they were speaking to a um, women's crisis hotline uh, at London, mm-hmm. Ontario, and she was saying, "Yeah, every fifteen minutes in Canada, a woman is sexually assaulted." And so, to me, whatever those numbers are that Hockey Canada is fielding. And, and they want to put the heavy pressure on Hockey Canada, which they should. Mm-hmm. Um, there's clearly way more education of, of, of young males, of males, period, in, in this country that need to happen. Yeah. When you have every 15 minutes. And I, to me, sadly, that number does not even seem, yeah. seems low. Yeah. It's interesting in, in the sense that the NHL, is now investigating because one, two, five, eight, like we don't know how many players because we don't know the player names have moved on and are now participating on NHL rosters, right? We don't know exactly who was involved in this. And so they have taken it upon themselves to go about this as well. And, you know, it's been suggested and, and rightly so. Hockey Canada asked everyone on this team to, to cooperate. To cooperate, and many of them said no. And Hockey Canada has the ability to go, hey, we don't have subpoena power here, but if we ask you a couple of questions and you say you're not going to answer them, then you will never play for Hockey Canada again, whether it be at a world championship or an Olympics. And let's just say, you know, for, for argument's sake, I don't want to use a name, but you turn out to be an all-star, a, somebody that... It's clearly understood would be on the Canadian Olympic team heading into 2026, or I guess it would be 26. And you're not. Or 2024 World Cup. And you're not there. Everyone gets to know why. Like, we, we all know. We don't, Hockey Canada doesn't even have to explain it. You go, that guy is a slam dunk player. He'd be on our top defensive pairing, whatever it might be. Yep. And go, why isn't this player on the team? Yeah, well, he's serving, figured out. He's serving Hockey Canada sanctions. Right. Yeah. You can put that flex on these guys, even without subpoena power. And maybe, maybe you're one of these guys, like lots of world junior players, um, who doesn't go on. Yep. To be anything more. You're Angelo Esposito. Sure. What a drive by that was. <laughs> uh, look, you can, you have ways of putting pressure on these guys. And the NHL has said what they discover will be made public. So, again, that's not going to make Hockey Canada look good if the NHL comes through, finds out something else. The one thing that is interesting to consider here is, by all accounts, this woman didn't want this to become public. And 
part of that is when you're going up against Canadian hockey, like if you accuse someone in the public eye, your what you've been through becomes very public, and yep. suddenly reporters are phoning you and whatever. Well, you absolutely get run through the wall, right? Especially you know, like yeah. if people find you on social media, yeah. which they will. Um, there is some risk here if you want to call it like i don't know what the term i I think hockey canada has to be far more transparent but i am a little concerned about the idea that if this woman wanted this to just go away so she could move on with her life and now we're all picking at it like i i think i'm nervous about the victim right like yeah the people who committed this should be held to account but does that make it easier to follow this back and find yeah, the victim. Of course. Yeah. And, 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 and there's so many questions, right? When people say, yeah, the, the victim's stepfather contacted Hockey Canada the next day. Yeah. It seems like a, it seems like an odd first step if that was the first step, right? Mm-hmm. But there's so much that the, the, the police involvement seemed minimal. And right. so to me, it's, it's odd on that front, but it's also, it clearly leads to, and I don't know whether Hockey Canada involves their own security. They have their own, which you yes, think, they do. That, yeah. So that there was an awareness of this right away, and that's why when 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 these allegations came forward, they're like, "Yep, here you go. Yeah, what are you asking for? Whoosh. Goodbye. Yep, let's make this go away. Yeah, a um, and what do they call that? A non um, non disclosure, non disclosure, right? Yeah. A, an NDA, and so. It's, it does come down to, and, and, and sorry, I just want to say, I, I said Makar, Batherson, Formanton, and Mete only because they were top of mind for guys who were on the world senior team. And that's the problem with this, right? Yes. As long as guys. I'm not, I'm not implicating any no. of those four guys. As long as you were on, like, as long as this remains public, everybody just looks at that team and goes, could be any of them, right? And Except, and, and I don't blame him, Victor Mete. Has an alibi. I was not at the event. Here's where I... Well, that doesn't mean he didn't hear in a text message or a group chat or whatever, but he was not in London. And if I was him, I'd have released that statement too that said, hey, I didn't know anything about this, but I'd like you all to know yeah, I was, I was in, not I was in, in London. I was in or right. Barbados. Yes. See, and, and, and the thing is, doubly so, Formanton and Mete were both London Knights. Yep. Yep. So even more the reason you want to give yourself the, I mean, uh, I was not, I, yeah. I, yeah, I want to distance myself from that because I would have answered questions. Nobody asked me questions, right. but hey, I was not in London. Not only night. was I a world junior player, I was also a CHL player yep. in the city. So it is, and, and it's one of those things where you look at those, those are heavyweight corporations in this country. Yeah. Um, Scotiabank, Tim, Tim Hortons, Hortons Canadian Tire, S, and SO has been, has been forever, right? Yeah. And and Hockey Canada has been forever. And the, we should say the Canadian government yes. has also frozen their funding. Yeah. Heritage Canada. Yeah. And and so Hockey Canada has been like apple pie in the States, right? Like this has been the thing that you want Every to. Every Christmas. Yeah. You want to associate yourself yes. with that brand because it's it's not only – at the Canadian fiber hockey, mm-hmm. it is excellence. It is achievement. It is all these things. And so for these corporations who are in a, a privileged spot, right? I just mean in terms of 
have these long term agreements uh, and associations yes. with, and, and for them to go, whoa, right. I'm reeling this bad boy in because what has forever been gold has been sullied and tarnished. Should we be, and I want to be careful how I word this, TSN, owned by Bell Media, has broadcast rights for this event and tied to Hockey Canada in general into the mid-2030s. Rick Westhead works for TSN and CTV and uh, and Bell Media, and he has been the one who has dug all of this up and and continued to beat this over the drum and not let it go away. There is something to be said for the separation of church and state there at Bell Media that you you have more to lose than almost anybody in this country with these rights, and yet you have actively allowed this reporter to go out and diminish the value of those rights. And and look, Rick, Rick Westhead over the last several years has made himself as just as reputable as just about anybody. Uh, in terms of Canadian sports reporting, but it is, it does say something, uh, for what TSN and, and Bell have allowed him to uncover, considering what they have invested in this themselves. Right. Well, as, as sport has become more than sport, right? As, as we get deeper involved in a bunch of things, you need to have a guy who, who comes with an investigative reporting background, mm-hmm. as, as Westhead did prior to TSN. Yeah, you got to know when you bring this guy on that these are the kinds of things that are going to happen. He's going to so, find, yeah. Yeah. And it would be an easy it would be an easy thing for TSN to maybe go black on this August yeah. junior. Well, I wonder if contractually they're even allowed to do so. But they're going to take a hit here too, right? In terms of all those sponsors that we've talked about are also sponsoring those broadcasts. I don't know how negotiable they are. They may be obligated to show the games here in Canada, but all those contracts with Hockey Canada, you know, mean that a your ratings may be way down if people are sort of, and they're going to be a World Junior in August is is rough anyway. But now you have all these allegations, and your sponsors have all sort of backed out and either paused or left or redirected uh, where their funding is going to go. Like I think Bell Media is on the hook here one way or another. And I just sort of think, in a very small way, it's admirable that they have allowed this reporting to take place on their platforms. And I only bring that up because it's no more than a month ago, you know, we kind of uncovered here that maybe they weren't allowing all their people to uh, to cover everything that they should be. So, right, yeah. Well, that was that was interesting. Yeah. Um. And and I only threw that out there, and really it was out of a convenience that this has got to be the, the lowest viewed. Yes. This World Junior coming up in August. Yeah. Where and and, and guys are going to be at NHL camps or being told you can't play. Yeah. And or I don't want to play. Right. Yeah. And your viewership is out at camp instead of sitting at home well, on Boxing Day. Because <laughs> to me, it's 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 one of those things where you go, this is a World Junior. It would be an easy miss is all I was in saying, only, right? Yes. In, in the fact that you went, hey, uh, we're going to just sort of, um, we're going to go dark here because as you said, sponsorship is already pulling. Yep. You got players who are going to pull. It's going to be the lowest rated. Yep. Anyways, period. And there'll be no Russian competition. There's just a bunch of reasons, yep. right? So... It is, um, yeah, I, I think this is, this is one of those things where it would only be, there'd be a bigger backlash to TSN and, and Bell Media. And there may be, yeah. If, if they didn't report on this as it was, cause it's a huge story. That's true. 
and we've talked about this a few times with Rick Westhead's reporting on the Chicago Blackhawks and things like that. It's easy for TSN to do it because Sportsnet is the national rights holder and, right. and whatever. Now it's in your own backyard, yep. and to their credit, they're still reporting on it. So yep. uh, that is worth something. Uh, last thing here to touch on before we get out of here, man, and, and look, uh, I'm glad that we were sort of, for lack of a better term, called out on the fact that, that we had not yet talked about this story. I just... It's it's complicated, right? Well, and it was and 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 not a defense in any way. It was a timing. Right? Yeah, that was part of it for sure. And and just it's it's only been in the last week or so. Like we could have talked about the parliamentary hearing that went on, and, and maybe we should have. But it's only been in the last week where all the big sponsors started to go. Yeah, you know what? Until you get your shit together, we're out. And and that's going to turn out to be big news for. Uh, well, and they're coming back in either early September, late August. Yes. Right, and there'll be more where, yeah, Heritage Canada wasn't happy with with some of the answers, no. right? And so, hey, here's here's two months to get your shit together. Yeah, come back with both concrete examples and what you're gonna do. Yeah, to here's fix what this we problem. have done. Here's what we're going to do. Here's our more transparent answers to your questions, and uh, and so we will. We'll stay on top of it. And thanks for keeping our feet to the fire. For sure. Uh. Last thing, Saturday night, UFC 276, man. Interesting card. Uh, one of the deepest that we've seen in a while. I often reference on this podcast the links that Bunda sends over as uh, links of questionable legality. And uh, in our group chat this time, we all agreed this was a good enough card. You got to go all in. You got to pay. You got to buy. You got to have a reliable feed. Yeah. And the show was a disappointment. <laughs> As, is, as uh, soon as you see UD, UD, yeah. UD, you're like, nah. I, and I can tell you, and I don't want to go through every fight. I know that's not everybody's deal, but uh, I will say um, that uh, uh, Daniel Cormier pointed out midway through the main event that we had just seen our first takedown attempt of the pay-per-view portion of the show. So it was kind of a stand and bang and if there was nothing there then there was nothing there and you kind of ran out the clock now there was exceptions to that uh the sugar sean o'malley fight versus pedro munoz ends with a, a no contest after an accidental poke to the eye um munoz is trying hard to sell hey that was intentional disqualify that guy give me a win the refs having none of it that becomes a you know whatever uh well, a no he, contest and he is the guy that Everyone's looking to Sugar right? Sean. You want to yeah. see that guy move up, and this was his first chance to fight a, a ranked fighter, and I don't know, sort of a bummer to kick off the pay per view. Yep, we end up seeing uh, Robbie Lawler lose ruthless. Yeah, and that probably should be it. Yeah, but won't be. Probably won't be. But earlier in the night, we saw Jessica I lay down her gloves and kind of announce her retirement. Three fights later. Cowboy Cerrone does the same thing, and everybody's like, well, who's Jessica I now, right? Like, that guy's yeah. been around forever. Yeah. He does the same thing, and so you do see some of these guys starting to step aside, or step aside. Cow um, Cowboy should have stepped aside maybe three or four ago, fights man. ago at least. For sure. Uh, but just one of those guys that, that yeah, wanted to keep going, just wanted, this yeah. is what I know, this is what I do. Um, and so the, the interesting one here that I want to start on just quickly, Alex Pareda. He's taking on uh, Sean Strickland, and I don't know who told. And we did reference this in our uh, in our preview show with uh, with Bunda there last week. 
I don't know who told Strickland it was a good idea to try and stand and bang nope. with Pareto. Bad idea. It was a bad idea, and it ended badly for him. Now, one of the interesting things about Strickland is he's very good on the ground, but he's terrible at getting you there. <laughs> and that's a problem, right? Isn't it ironic? <laughs> right. And so it almost looked like, okay, I'm going to stand here. I'm going to try and box with Pareto a little bit until I can find a time. And in the first round, he's just like, no, you're not going to get a time. I'm just going to knock you the fuck out right here. So Pareto becomes instantly, uh, despite being unranked going into this, you know, probably the number one contender for the belt because Izzy's already cleaned out the rest of that division basically twice in the middleweight division. So we'll get to that in a second. In the co-main event, and this is interesting, man. I know you didn't see the card, but we saw almost the exact, the, the yin and the yang of the UFC. Because Volkanovski, in that featherweight division, he's taking on Max Holloway for the third time. And we've talked about this on the show before. The heart of the Hawaiian? Yeah. You're like, do we need to see this for a third time? Because Volkanovski's 2-0, and but he's also destroyed the rest of the division. He sent Holloway packing twice. And Holloway keeps going out, beating everybody else, and showing up back in front of him. And there are people who will tell you that Holloway won at least one and maybe two of those first two fights. The judges did not agree with it. But they were ridiculously close. This time, Volkanovski, from pillar to post, round one to five, didn't finish him, but unquestionably, 50 to 45 finishes across the judges' cards. And you go... Fuck that. We're done here, right? I'm moving on to, yeah. to other things. Well, a trilogy is, is only good if it's two and one. Right. Uh, now the interesting thing, we'll see where this goes from here. Um, if Holloway head of one, now as the champ, Volkanovsky gets a rematch and you have to do four. So I think a lot of people are relieved to see that Volkanovsky separated yeah. himself here and, and he's put himself into that kind of top two or three with Izzy, with, uh, with, uh, Usman as kind of best pound for pound. We'll get to that in a second. Adesanya in his fight against Jared Cannonier is the complete opposite. Which is a great name for the Jared Cannonier, the killer like, gorilla. Yeah, yes. who likes to chuck bombs, Cannonier. Yeah, man. Name. And we go through that fight, and that goes to the judges, and it's the complete opposite. You saw this guy who's clearly better than his opponent but is just unwilling to take any chances. And maybe the difference is that Holloway, all the way through his fight in the co-main event, he's pushing this. He keeps it going. He's coming at you. He's forcing Volkanovski to keep counterpunching, and Volkanovski does it. And that's what's making Volkanovski look so much better, is all the way, start to finish, I've got the answer. Yeah. In the main event, Cannoneer, by round three, is like, fuck, I don't know. I don't know what to do, right? And so... Izzy also has no reason to push this. I've kind of got it by the judges. There's nothing here that's going to force them to take the belt off me. And I wonder if part of that is Adesanya, when he moves up to light heavyweight, loses to Blahovich. It kind of takes the shine off you. It kind of takes the confidence off you. And now he's unwilling to take the risks that might have allowed him to finish Cannoneer. Yep. Well, it's, 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 first of all, Holloway, and we've seen it with the, with the more than a handful of, of Hawaiians. Yes. Do you know what I mean? You're the not, prodigy. Yeah, you're not going to put those guys away. And so he is, Holloway is an elite level fighter. Yeah. Who is just now, is coming to the end of his of his run. And you're at Volkanovski with a 
in his prime. Yep. Right? And so that is, you have Holloway saying, yeah, I, I may be slightly used up, but I, I still have all kinds of tools. Sure. I have all kinds of experience. And so, and, and I'm tough as nails. And I was, as far as Vegas was concerned, it kind of went back and forth, but it was a coin flip. Like they weren't writing off Holloway at all, right? It's, no. Yeah. And so that's what happens is that's a guy who's got all kinds of tricks in his bag. Yep. Right. And Volkanovsky as a guy on top of his game right now is pressed, but has, that. has those got answers, that. right? And he's yep. like, yeah, all right. All right. I've trained for this. I know what you, I know what to expect. I've already fought you twice. Right. Whereas, yeah, Cannoneer and Adesanya, that is to me, whether it's Usman or Adesanya, those are your GSP 2.0s, right? It looks like it. And, and when it gets down to, I am, I am so good at this. Why do I need to put myself in, in danger? Which was the knock on GSP. Yeah. In the last five, six fights of his career, right? And, and so sure. Izzy's got more of a, an ability to finish yep. than GSP, I think. And he just, he just didn't. And well, I, but, I do think that loss to Blahovich makes him go, Ah, you know, it's taken that swagger out of him a little bit. Did you read anything coming yeah, into this well, about the way he it, entered the ring, uh, entered the octagon? No. So Izzy, uh, and it's funny, just before the main event, you know what they do, man. They flash around the crowd, the celebrities in the house tonight. Yep, right? for sure. They show Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H in the crowd at uh, octagon side. The WWF has just put on uh, a pay-per-view down the street at the MGM Grand. And uh, so those guys rushed over, I guess, to to check out the main event. Obviously, UFC fight goes much later. Yep. Adesanya comes out second to The Undertaker's music. He's oh. got the hat. He's got the urn. He is making that slow walk to that death march, right? I know you oh. know The Undertaker's yeah, music. Of course goes, I do, yeah. And Vince, I'm sure, is like, I'm going to sue these fuckers, right? Because... They wouldn't have known, they might have known Vince might come, but there's no way Izzy makes that decision knowing that, you know, there's a WWF show down the road. This yeah. is just what he was planning to do either way. And that entrance, if you win, is super cool. If you do the showbiz shit like that and get punched in the first round by Cannoneer, like, could have happened, you just look like a douchebag, right? And it just sort of seemed like the whole time he's just like, this is beneath me a little bit. Like I, I can handle this guy. And and a, you, you mentioned it last week, man. A fighter's chance, right? A puncher's chance. It's never a hundred percent guaranteed. But Izzy came out making that entrance, going, "Yeah, this isn't a problem. I got this." Well, I wonder if if Adesanya has something in the bag with the maybe, with yeah, the WWE. If I maybe down the road, he's got too much money left. Well, I, right. I don't think you. I don't think you pull. A WWE shtick with Vince and Stephanie in the building, unless I, you know, unless there's something I, I, going on, unless there is a little. A Maybe little. I don't. I think like coincidence is overstating it. Was Paul Bearer there? No, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do bring out a coffin at times. That's true. He is the Undertaker. Come on, man! Don't look uh, at me like I'm. There was a couple times in the broadcast because Izzy's also doing that incredibly slow walk, like the Undertaker does. Cannoneer's looking at the ref like, can we fucking get going here? <laughs> like, how long is this going to take? Yeah. They got the smoke. They got the, everything going on. It was quite a show in that regard. Like, But once he got in the octagon, he had no interest in 
in putting on a show, right? Like he's just and giving him the tombstone. Yeah, exactly. I'm just gonna cry, <laughs> choke slam him, and do the arm cross. Yeah, pin. yeah. I get it. Just, uh, but he had no interest in in putting on a show at that point. He was just, you know, I'm just gonna stay on top of you, kind of grind this out. At no point was it particularly interesting. Whereas the Volkanovsky Holloway fight, Holloway kept pressing it. Volkanovsky had yeah. the answer all the way through. And see, to me, when you look at when you look at um, moving from 185 to 205, that's a big that's mm-hmm. a big move, right? That's yep. your that's your Rich Franklin moving up after yep. Anderson Silva was kicking his ass. Yep, and he's like, "All right, I got to go and take down some some light heavies." Yeah, and I think uh, an upper echelon top of the top of the food chain middleweight like could, Izzy, yeah, yeah, can take down some some light heavies. But not the elite not the light champ. heavies. Right? When we talked about it at the time, you're talking about how big of a weight jump that is. Jan Blahovic is having to make that big cut to get down to 205. Right. Izzy showed up to get on the scale with a box of pizza. And he yeah. offers Blahovic a slice. So you're like, here, yeah. you want it? He's doing the GSP <laughs> going to 205. Yeah, like GSP's walking around at 205. Yeah, yeah. Or even like 198. Yep. And so, yeah, those guys, you're like, yeah, okay, it's no cut for me, but... You are talking about a guy who's probably walking around at 230. Right. And getting, and cutting to 205, <laughs> right? And that is, so again, on fight night. So to me, I don't, there's no, cause Blahovich too is, to me, is not an elite level light no, heavy that, either. That light heavyweight is kind of weak right now. But, but it's still, you're looking at for a guy He's who so fights. Big, strong fucking guy. Yeah. On, on strength alone, yeah, right? Yeah. And so you go. Polish power. Yeah. You are talking about. 20 to 30 pounds difference between these guys. And so, yeah, that is, that's a big move. So yeah. like, to me, what comes down to is guys like, uh, again, Usman at, at, at welterweight and Adesanya at, at middle, at middle, not pressed, not pressed. Not and right so, now. And so when you're not pressed, uh, there's no reason for me not to play it safe. Yep. Right. I don't need to open it up because when I open it up, I open myself. Yeah, that, that I'm just. There's nothing to risk here for me. There's no reason to risk this. Right. So, so unless I'm pressed, man, I'm just going to choke you out, or I'm just going to just grind this down. So, so it, it looks like moving forward, probably before the end of the year, likely December, it'll be Adesanya versus Pereira, and he ha- Pereira has two kickboxing one, one, one potato, knockouts. Two potato, three potato, four. Yeah, uh, has two knockouts of Adesanya in their previous kickboxing careers. Well, then sign so me up, That's baby. how you're going to sell that fight, right? Is, is this is a guy that, that has shown before he can, he can take it to Adesanya a little bit. We've also seen Volkanovsky say after the fight, he wants to, he's interested in moving up for a title fight at light heavyweight. Uh, he has fought three times in the last 10 months, so he's willing to stay active. He's not one of these guys who disappears and sits around. Uh, so he's talked about facing Charles Oliveira at lightweight, but, you know, I, I don't know if they want to do that. You tie up two belts when you do that, right? You yeah. can only, uh, but he's sort of cleaned out his division as well. And, and one of the reasons we keep seeing him versus Holloway is because there's not much there. A feather. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think what you're going to see happen here is, uh, in a couple weeks, it's got to hear Rodriguez versus Brendan Ortega. I think the winner of. We'll probably get the shot at Volkanovsky if it's Yadier because Ortega's already had his shots and been knocked out. Yeah, exactly. Yes. A couple of times. So Do we'll I see. still have my shoes on? <laughs> right. So yes. We'll see. And uh, it's interesting you bring that up, man, just before we wrap up. 
all the cool kids were at UFC 276. The UFC uh, Canada Twitter page put up a picture of Austin Matthews and Jumbo Joe Thornton at the fight. Jumbo Joe looking like Happy Gilmore's caddy. <laughs> just, it's just one shoe on. Washing, <laughs> washing his socks in the ball, yeah, in the exactly. ball race. <laughs> I think it's down and to the left. No, it only looks that way because you only got one shoe on. <laughs> That's how Jumbo was looking. That's at, a great uh, reference. Right there. <laughs> so uh, all the cool kids, Austin Matthews and the McMahons at UFC. Hey, was Austin Matthews wearing a hat? Got the the bucket hat going. Oh, okay, because cool man, look. he's got the bad hair. Oh, going. it's receding fast, man. Woo! Yeah. Come on, man, he's just the hairline's turned and running. Right, it <laughs> is big time. And so, yeah, you should be taking that bad boy to the wood. Forget that 70s look. Yeah, got to do the Messier thing here, yep. the Sundine thing yeah, it's here. No, it was no shame, man. Yeah. No shame. It's going. Yeah. Let, let it, it go. Let it go. Uh, we'll wind this one down here, man. Anything else for this one? Uh, you know what? Loving the brew revolution. It's good stuff, man. And I'm uh, I'm glad to be drinking your birthday beers. <laughs> and it's good. I'm glad to be back in studio. It's, it's such a nice, uh, it's a good feel. It's good, man. All right, walking well, on sunshine. Clearly, one of the two of us. <laughs> one of the two of us agree. <laughs> I think it's, it's it's. I started on the walking on sunshine. You're finishing on it. So one of us is on the higher, right? It's, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Matt's, Matt's feeling a little more malty, but I am feeling refreshed yeah. and ready for the next hour. Don't forget, our buddy Mike Camito, Leafs 365 coming soon. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't had a chance yet, make sure you check out Hearts on Fire. Six Years to Change Canadian Music, 2000 to 2005 by Michael Barclay. The link is in the show notes, no matter how you want to take that down. Uh, all formats will be uh, be linked there for you to check out. Uh, great read so far. Tons of talk on uh, Rob's favorite group there, Tegan and Sarah. I know he's big into those. Woo! Yeah, broken social scene, all kinds of kind of indie rock going on at that time in uh, Canadian music. Uh, we'll get out of here on that. For Rob, my name's Matt. We'll see you all next time. See ya! That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. It was a disgrace. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCanAudio on your favorite podcast app.